This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike him, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast. Presented by our awesome YouTube page. We love it. It's growing. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And you get a cameo style shout out. Or at least you enter to get a cameo style shout out from yours truly. Every week when you subscribe, I'll find a subscriber. I'll pick them. I'll give them a shout out on Friday's Ross Tucker football podcast. And they will be able to get a chance to get a shout-out, any type of video, cameo, that they would like. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Now i got a bunch of podcasts that I really enjoy, including this one, the College Draft Podcast, where we talk about the best prospects in the biggest games every week in college football. We are year-round, doing it a couple days later this week because of the travel schedule, Make sure, if you didn't already, check out Even Money Podcast. Still up double digits for the season on that show, even though took a step back, unfortunately, in week number six. Always Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We'll have the RTFP with Andrew Brandt a little bit later this morning. Fantasy Feast Podcast with Joe Dolan will be produced today and tomorrow. We do two episodes of that. The star of this show, though, Emery Hunt, looking so clean <laughs> over the weekend on CBS Sports HQ. I mean, the I mean, Emery, your your suit, you were looking nice, dude. Appreciate that, man. I, I don't think a lot of people appreciated the color combination. It was a almost like a seafoam green with the seafoam green pocket square. I think people missed that detail because of. Uh, the the lighting that I took, uh, you know, photos with, but they missed it, but it was awesome. Well, I couldn't tell that. I just know that it was a good fit. It looked <laughs> good. Uh, you can check out Emery on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. He's Football Game Plan on YouTube. He's a really big deal on YouTube. Football Game Plan. Check it out. FootballGamePlan.com slash 2021 draft guide is where you can get Emery's breakdown of pretty much every player that even has a prayer of playing professional football at any level, whether that's NFL, XFL, whatever the case may be, the spring league, which I've seen you tweeting about Emory. What is that for people that don't know? That's an, that's a developmental league, uh, which takes place once a year. Um, This year it's in San Antonio. It's inside of a bubble. So they'll be playing, five or six games inside that bubble, six teams. And it's guys that have NFL, NFL experience, whether they've been on a practice squad, uh, drafted, played some games in the NFL, and also some guys that's looking to get fresh tape. So the average age is about 24. So when you look at the rosters, it's like, wow, I have scout reports on these guys, these guys, these guys. 
And it's great to see those guys get opportunities, especially this year, to put together tape because they didn't have the regular, you know, training camp preseason to really get tape out there. And when you see some of the names, you're like, this is a lot of talent, which just shows you how much talent there is out there. Um, and, you know, when you look at the Spring League, it'll be on Fox Sports 1. Uh, so it's, it's it's a good event. The guy, Brian Woods, who started it, was also the founder of the FXFL. Remember that? Um, and then he kind of started the uh, Spring League, and it kind of has taken off. It's also been a training ground for other leagues to do to, to try out different rules and things of that nature. The XFL borrowed or uh, tested a lot of their rules out in the spring league and carried it over to the regular season. When is it, Emery? October is next week. They kick off October 27th and they run until November, I think the end of November. So, you know, it's, it's a five-week season um, and it's it's a great event. I've, I covered the one last year. Uh, and it's, you know, it's guys get opportunities to play and contribute. And I would say over 140 guys have gone from the spring league to both the NFL and CFL. So it kicks off October 27th. Okay. Dumb question. Why is the spring league in, in October and November? Exactly. Right. I think they wanted to capitalize on, um, you know, the uh, pandemic. And because normally they outside of the, the uh, spring, they have, the showcases. So you'll have like maybe a practice or two here in the spring and summer, um, or I mean, fall and spring and summer, and then they'll have like a, a five week season. Uh, but because of the pandemic and situations kind of dictated, hey, we need to get some of these guys some film, be a great opportunity to, you know, sandwich a season in here. Um, and, and that's why they started now. But they usually do showcases around this time and then play in the spring. Got it. All right, cool. Well, I, I saw you tweeting about that at F Ball Game Plan, so I certainly wanted to talk to you about it. Obviously, I see you all over CBS Sports HQ on the weekends as well. We got the Big Ten, Emory. We've got uh, a new a new conference opening up this weekend. So we got the Big Ten, and I believe the Mountain West, and then the following week we have the Pac Ten our Pac-12 and the MAC, is that correct? I think so, and because I think the Pac-12 and MAC start at the same time. So by this time next week, you should be in full-fledged uh, with all of the conferences playing in the FBS. More more presence. Yeah, really. We got some more, some more uh, goodies to open up. I'll be doing next Thursday Colorado State at Fresno State for, uh, for CBS Sports Network. Looking forward to that. Colorado State – just had their opener this weekend canceled. Uh, New Mexico can't come or something. There's some type of restrictions. I don't know. Yeah, between New Mexico and New Mexico State, I think those are the only two teams that have those uh, restrictions to where they may not play this year. Let's get to Nebraska and Ohio State. Big game. You know, I'm curious, why do you think, and maybe this is the year, but why do you think Scott Frost hasn't had the success yet that people have kind of been anticipating him to have at Nebraska? You, you know what, Ross? That, that's a great question. And I, I believe a lot of it, it, it's a philosophical question. Or people have to take a 10,000-foot view of it. When you look at Nebraska, we remember Nebraska being one of the marquee games that you saw on TV, whether it was Notre Dame, uh, maybe a Florida-Florida State. Nebraska was always on. 
and whatever whack game was on at 10 o'clock at night, right? Whether it was BYU, San Diego State. So Nebraska, once they moved from the Big 8 into the, once they merged into the Big 12, it changed the landscape a little bit. And, you know, I think what happened because of streaming and, you know, the many different cable channels, they lost that that carrot that they used to dangle out there like, hey, you can play at Nebraska and we play on TV. National TV, people get to see you. Well, now you can watch Troy and Georgia State on TV and you don't have that character play anymore. Plus, you think about how uh, they used to really have that strong walk-on program. When you look at a lot of those recruits that went there as walk-ons, they're probably now you know, sprinkled about getting scholarships at the mid-major schools around Nebraska. You know, North Dakota State, probably. You look at maybe teams in, um, you know, maybe Kansas State, able to steal a couple uh, recruits there. Colorado State, those programs around started to pull those guys. And, you know, a lot of those guys end up going to the MAC schools or maybe some strong FCS programs. And I think all of that kind of contributed to Nebraska not having that same cachet. Same thing happened with Florida State for a while, where people was like, well, Florida State is just not that same, you know, beast on the block anymore. Well, Things change when you have a UCF, a FAU, FIU pop up in your neighborhood. Teams, guys are now saying, hey, I don't have to go sit on the bench at Florida State. I can go start at UCF, USF, FAU, FIU. And I think all of that has changed the landscape for Nebraska. It's a lot tougher to win in Nebraska. Now, Colorado was the same way. When I was growing up, Colorado had a pipeline from New Orleans to Boulder. And because they played on TV. And now once they move into the Big 12 and you invite other teams into your conference to recruit, it pulls away from your pipeline and everyone was on TV now. So you, it's not as cool to go to Nebraska or Colorado like it was in the 90s. So I think all of that has contributed to why Scott Frost hadn't been able to win right away. It sounds in theory, oh, I'm Scott Frost. I can go in there and get anybody I want to. But yeah, but the, the landscape change. The, the dynamics of how students, student-athletes view programs change. And I think that has made that job a lot tougher than what it was initially. Um, let's talk Nebraska-Ohio State specifically. And I'll start with Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez. I guess I had seen a headline at some point that they weren't naming, at least for a while, they weren't naming who the quarterback was between Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey, the youngest McCaffrey uh I don't know what you've heard there and what you've thought of Martinez through his first couple years in Lincoln yeah you you see tools with Martinez but you want to see okay this is going to be his you know second or third year in Frost's system but this is a guy that has the the tools on paper can he continue to make the steps forward because he had a very impressive freshman season I remember he closed out his freshman season really well was up and down last year and you want to see this year can he find that consistency and put it all together? If so, he's one of those dark horse players that you look for, you know, in the draft. But he's probably not going to come out, but one that can gather some steam toward his senior season if he's able to put it all together this year. Um, yeah, I didn't think he played to the level last year that kind of I was expecting. And after that first year, I'm with you. I thought he'd have a better year last year, which is why I think they kind of opened up the job. Right, and then you wonder how he's going to be able to, uh, you know, if he's going to be the guy, that means he has to outplay McCaffrey, which means he's probably found his consistency or he just has more experience in the offense. And either way, you want to see him take that job. 
because you invested a lot of time and effort and resources in him to to be the guy. And if he's if the light comes on and he's able to recapture what we saw the back half of his freshman season, then Nebraska should be okay to hit the ground running this year. Let's talk Justin Fields. We've talked about him before. You know, it seems like a fate accompli, a done deal, that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick. Is there anything you think Justin Fields can do to take Lawrence off that top spot? Continue to do what he has always done, be a, a true dual threat. And it's not to say Lawrence can't run and isn't a great athlete because he is. Um, he can also take off and pick him up and put him down. He did it against Ohio State last year. I think what Justin Fields wants to do is remind people like, yo, I see all this Trey Lance talk. I see all this Kyle Trask talk. I see all this Zach Wilson talk. I'm still here. I'm still one of the best in the country. And, oh, by the way, I was a Heisman finalist last year. And so I think if he continues to go out there and, and continue to wow people with his passing as well as with his, as well as with his ability to run the football, that's going to continue to push him up in that conversation, especially what we see going on on Sunday. You have to be able to move. And if you can't move, you're kind of dead in the water. So when you look at Lawrence having that athleticism and Fields having that athleticism and also the ability to throw the football, I think he's going to continue to, to remind people like, oh, yeah, by the way, Justin Fields is either 1A or 1B in this quarterback competition between he and Lawrence. Do you think Nebraska has even a chance to to keep close in this one, Emery? Absolutely not. I think Ohio State played all throughout the pandemic. They practiced all throughout. Now, Nebraska was the loudest ones, but Ohio State, I thought, just kind of just stayed with the course and, hey, we're going to practice. So they may come in more prepared and ready to go than any other team that we've seen play pandemic football this year. Huh. All right, let's get to another Big Ten matchup. Illinois against Wisconsin. Illinois has a wide receiver that caught your eye. Uh, Adamore Baby. Uh, Josh Adamore Baby. You know, um, he is athletic. Good friend of mine, Justin Higdon, you know, hit me up. He was like, hey, keep an eye on this guy uh, coming out of high school. You know, he's a tremendous athlete. And he gets to Indiana, I mean, uh, Illinois, and does a great job. And just, you know, he's become their star. And so when you have the one spotlight player, and they're going to feature him a lot this year because of uh, the depth issues they have in the backfield because of opt-outs. So they're going to throw the football a lot. I know they got Brandon Peters, their quarterback, uh, supposed to be a, a solid player. Um, so he's going to throw it to Josh all throughout the course of the season. And, and you know, he's a, a matchup problem. He's a big physical guy with great athleticism has a great speed so illinois has themselves a legit i think top 100 player uh, out there on the perimeter wow that's that's high praise i didn't realize they had a guy like that at wide receiver. you know they snuck up on some people and won some games last year including beating wisconsin yeah that they people weren't expected that doesn't bode well for them this week that they beat wisconsin last year i, I don't think it's unbelievable that wisconsin battled all the way back to get to the Big Ten Championship game, go to the Rose Bowl with a loss to Illinois on their resume. Uh, Wisconsin always has a good offensive line. They always have a bunch of them. Seems like two or three guys get drafted every year. I've been hearing about this kid for the last couple years, Cole Van Lannan. What do you see from Cole Van Lannan? Uh, I I believe he's left tackle for Wisconsin. Dominance, man. And it's easy to watch. I think it's easier to watch 
you know, Wisconsin linemen and and get a quick peg on what these guys are, what they can and can't do. And I just love how he's able to win on both ends of offense. You know, the run game it speaks for itself, but in pass pro, I think he does a really good job in stymieing those that initial move. You know, guys really have to have a counter when they face him. And if they don't have a counter, you might as well consider yourself dead in the water right there at the line of scrimmage because he does a great job in taking away your initial move. And I think in this game, because of his ability to pass protect, and now that they have a quarterback that I believe can really throw it all the all around a yard in um, Graham Mertz, that's going to be on display. We're going to learn a lot more about Mertz because of what, you know, Van Lannan can do at the line of scrimmage and, and pass pro. So I'm excited to see Wisconsin play. I think they're going to air it out. You know, they're going to have their run game, obviously, but I think the passing game with, with Mertz is going to be tremendous. I'm glad he was able to take advantage of the injury to Jack Cohn because I think Mertz is a better player. Even though Cohn got the start last year, Mertz is going to be phenomenal. So I did the U.S. Army Bowl the year Mertz was the MVP. He was really good. I mean, really good in that game. I think he's the most highly touted quarterback prospect that Wisconsin's ever gotten. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he plays. I think, you know, he played a little bit last year, but I think he's ready. You know, I don't know if he's a true sophomore or redshirt freshman, but with the cone injury, I'm kind of with you. He would be like a, almost like a dark horse Heisman candidate, you know, really dark horse. Like he's not going to win it, but you know, the odds of that, you know, we do the even money podcast on Tuesday the odds of that are probably good odds to take, right? It's probably like 500 to one or something right now for Graham Mertz. So maybe he could be the guy that comes out of nowhere. I got to check out on the DraftKings Sportsbook what the odds are for Graham Mertz to either be the Heisman or even Big Ten Player of the Year. DraftKings Sportsbook, by the way, is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code ROSS. So many ways for you to bet. I know a lot of people really getting into live betting and enjoying it. We've got World Series stuff if you want to get into that as well. The key here is after you sign up, make sure you send it to me because, A, you can then ask me any question you want for the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and, B, you'll be eligible to win a little something-something from me. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Whether your state's legal yet or not, you can download the app. Use promo code ROSS when you sign up, and you get up to $1,000. So get the app, get the promo code ROSS in. That's code ROSS. You can sign up on up to $1,000. Limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus, first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, all right, Emery. By the way, do you think Illinois has a chance to do it two years in a row or no? Mm, I don't think so, man. I, I think last year was just like the perfect storm for Illinois. I think even though they should be good this year, and obviously everybody gets to go to a bowl game this year, but I do think Illinois will be you know a, a legit bowl team. Uh, probably get eight wins on the season. Well, they, I, don't, I don't know how many they're playing, but it should be uh, good enough to where they're going to get into a bowl on their merits on the field, but not in this game. They won't win this one. All right, so Michigan-Minnesota is an intriguing matchup this week because 
think people feel like Michigan's a little down from last year. Uh, they've had some guys opt out, et cetera. Meanwhile, Minnesota had a heck of a season last year. So let's start with the edge rusher for Michigan. Gets talked about a lot, Quiddy Pay. I like how he's able to rush all across the defensive line. You may see him as a, a nine, a seven, uh, a, a shade, a, a one. You know, you have him all across rushing, and he's able to close really well. He has great closing speed to the quarterback, and I, and he's a, a well-built defensive lineman. He's about 6'4", 270, but he's well-built. He's, so he's not you know, high-hipped or, you know, has a weird body cons- uh, construction. He is perfectly built to handle the down-to-down, you know, uh, play that you need at the NFL level. And he has the ability to rush from anywhere across the board. I think he's a, a strong candidate to be, you know, a first round pick because of his versatile skill set and his ability to hold his own at the point of attack. He doesn't get pushed off the ball. So I like him a lot. Yeah. And for people that might not be familiar, every shoulder essentially of an offensive lineman is a technique where you line up as a defensive lineman. So both shoulders of the center are are one shades, one techniques. Inside shoulders of the guards are two techniques. Outside shoulders of the guards are three techniques. So we're talking about where these players actually line up. So when Emery talks about a shade, that's usually on either side of the nose. Five is outside shoulder of the tackle. Seven's outside shoulder of the tight end, and nine is way wide, way wide, trying to spin around the edge um, with speed. All right, what about the quarterback for Minnesota? Tanner Morgan had a really good year last year with Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman. I still remember, Emery, Minnesota just lighting up Penn State. And I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't know Emory, you know, I didn't know Penn, uh, Minnesota had guys like this. But it turns out they have two NFL receivers and an NFL quarterback, so it makes more sense now. Yeah, exactly. And I think with Bateman being opting, being back on the team, opting in, Morgan is my Heisman dark horse because of his ability to throw the football. I did some pre-draft work this summer watching, you know, quarterback prospects, and everyone was like, you know, Lawrence, uh, Fields, Lance. And I'm like, hold on now. Let, let, let's take a look at this, this Minnesota dude. This dude is – Excellent. He's put the ball where it needs to be. He has a really good release, good throwing motion, good stroke. Um, his intermediate to deep ball accuracy is on point. Uh, he does have to handle pressure a little bit better, so we hope to see that this year. But to me, he has to be in that conversation. You just can't throw Lance in there when you got to do right there in, in the great state of Minnesota, balled out of control. So I was a big fan of Morgan, and I think in this game, uh, against an opponent like Michigan, against that pass rush, it's a great test to answer those questions that I had this summer. So that was his issue last year was just against pressure? Just against pressure because, you know, and again, that's the worst type of red flag. It wasn't a, a terrible red flag to where it's like, okay, just blitz this dude and he's going to cough it up. He's, he's a scary player. No, it was just like, you know, he can get affected like most quarterbacks can, but I just thought it affected him a little bit more so than than usual. Uh, but not in the alarming rate, but I want to see him be a little bit better versus pressure. Do you think, uh, who do you think wins this game, Emery? I like Minnesota straight up. I think Minnesota wins this game. I I don't know what to expect from Michigan's offense, passing game-wise. I do like Chris uh, Henry, the running back, but he's the guy in the backfield with the opt-out and, you know, 
and with the passing game, just a question mark, especially at quarterback, I don't know what to, to trust in Michigan's offense. I just like Minnesota straight up. Wow. Love it. Okay. Let's get out to the uh, Mountain West. UNLV, I'll be seeing them in a couple weeks. I'll be in the Death Star uh, in Vegas there, the Raiders' new home. Really looking forward to that one. How about UNLV, San Diego State, and let's start with UNLV running back Charles Williams. Explosive. Explosive, explosive. When you talk about speed, and normally, you know, it, it doesn't people people you know harass me and say like oh man you like all these small guys like listen is there's a difference between a small running back and a guy that has explosive speed that just so happens to be small when I watched him this summer you know doing some pre draft work it's like yeah you know, I saw the the yardage total he had like over fourteen hundred yards something last year um, but I'm like my goodness he has like a second gear that he can hit once he gets to the second level and again. Normally, when backs make their first move, they they tend to lose a little speed because they put so much effort in that first move to get past the defender. But when you're able to quickly re-engage and, and re-accelerate and explode, that's when you have those special traits. And I think Williams has that second gear. Um, obviously, weight is something that you can you know always work on and get stronger and, and fill out your frame. But the explosiveness, the vision, the ability to threaten the you know the defense uh from anywhere on the field that's the special trait that you watch and that that's and now that he's playing on that you know inside I know they had turf at Sam Boyd Stadium but I just feel like they're gonna be playing on the faster track in a Death Star. I'm excited to see how it's gonna be. And, you know even though they're traveling to San Diego State but his home games are you know where the Raiders play but I'm I'm excited to see him get out there and duplicate what he did last year. San Diego State has a defensive back that you noticed named Tariq Thompson. Ball skills, like I want to say, he led the in, the league in um, interceptions last year. He has total like eleven picks, something, some ridiculous number like that. So any t- and listen, you can't go wrong with the San Diego State defensive back. We look at the last couple of years, KZ with the Falcons and what he did at San Diego State, Luke Barku and what he was doing last year at San Diego State, what he did the Shrine Game, and now he's with Jacksonville. Um, made the team as an undrafted free agent. You look at. To Rick Thompson and what he's able to do catching the football. Anytime you're able to take the ball away, I want you on my defense. And he's a taller defensive back with ball skills, with athleticism. Those are the guys that make the game difficult for the passing game. So San Diego State has another defensive back that you want to keep an eye on to Rick Thompson. So funny what you're saying earlier. I, it seems like BYU and, and San Diego State, I remember those games so well back in the day. At night, I remember Marshall Falk had like 600 yards on BYU one time. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was crazy. Uh, I'm looking forward to I to doing some Mountain West games this year. It should be fun to be out on the West Coast. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm looking forward to some of these flights, Emery. I haven't been on a plane since uh, since COVID happens. So I'm not not exactly looking forward to that part of it, but I am looking forward to seeing some of these stadiums, Fresno State and and seeing some of these teams, Colorado State, I've never seen before. Make sure you check out my guy, Emery. He's unbelievable. I even have people on our – we have patrons, um, Tuckheads, on our private Slack channel, patreon.com slash rtmedia, who said, who's the, uh, who's the, who's the you of college football for, for betting? Who is that? And I'm like, Emery Hunt. Emery Hunt, my, my guy, Emery Hunt. Check him out. And they're like, oh, he looks good, blah, blah, blah. So – 
Um, at F Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. And really, if you listen to this podcast, you really like the draft. You really need to get footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Just trust me. It is excellent. You'll love it. Big week, big, big week for us. Big day today on the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. We'll have the Ross Tucker Football Podcast with Andrew Brandt coming up soon this morning. That'll be posted. Got to get his thoughts on Tua as well as the Fantasy Feast podcast today. Just curious, Emery, before I let you go, your thoughts on the decision of the Dolphins to switch from Fitz to Tua this week? I don't, I don't mind it. I think when you look at what you know happened with Eli and Kurt Warner, Kaepernick and Alex Smith, guys weren't playing terrible. They just felt like, hey, this guy gives us a little bit more at the position. Let's just start the clock and get the ball rolling. Plus, you know, I think Tua has a little bit of an advantage because of his quick release, his accuracy, his decision-making, and that can help the offense be a little bit more efficient as opposed to Fitzpatrick holding the football a little bit too long, trying to figure out what to do and make something happen. And he also has an issue with turnover. So I like the move. It happens during the bye. I think it's a great thing to get the ball rolling. We saw him last week get out there, move around a little bit in limited capacity, but I think it's a good move for Miami, one that I don't see an issue with. At F-Ball Game Plan, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL everywhere. Please follow YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL for the highlight clips of this show and the others. I got highlight clips down for what Emery said about Tanner Morgan, for what he said about Justin Fields. You can check him out on YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL or on our social channels at Ross Tucker Pod. The keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.